0: Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the Book of Mark. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you, and have a great day.
1: Welcome to the coming out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's word. Amen. First and foremost, let us thank our Lord and Savior tonight. For all that he does for us each and every day. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we can never, ever do for ourselves. We're eternally grateful. All glory and honor goes to you. I'd like to thank all the people that faithful serve here. One body, many parts. We're really grateful for all of you to attend. Thank you, Jesus. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, we're just so grateful and thankful that we have this opportunity tonight, Lord to gather together to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more and more about you, Lord, and your ways, and how you'd have us to live down here on planet Earth, Lord, so we can be living examples, Lord, and so we can become more and more like you, Lord. Help us to crucify our flesh each and every day, Lord, and walk in the spirit and newness of life, Lord. Help us, Lord, and thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies, Lord, that begin afresh every morning, Lord. And I pray that you take all the bitterness out of all of our hearts tonight, Lord, and fill it with your unconditional love so we can clearly hear you through the message that the church is trying, the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Lord. And we pray for the people that are sick. We pray for our little sister, Giselle, who's not feeling well, Lord, that you touch her heart, Lord, and bring her back to us soon, Lord, knowing that only you, you're the ultimate healer, Father. And all the other people that might be sick in the ministry and outside of the ministry, Lord, that... You know what you're doing, Lord, and you'll never leave them nor forsake them and just reassure them you're with them, Lord. And as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's stand. We're going to sing a song and get started. Yeah. Nothing is better than you, amen? How's everybody doing tonight, all right? For those of you who have been here four days in a row, praise the Lord, amen? We're working on working seven days here, all right? Every time the doors open to the church, I'm here, i got to be here. My spiritual life depends on it. Amen. The flesh likes to come back so quickly. Huh? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's start off tonight in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Yeah, using the Black Bibles in the pews, so help yourself to them. As a reminder, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into the Scripture. So please prepare your mind, clear your hearts to receive the message. The Spirit is trying to save the church tonight. Amen? Amen. Okay. We're going to go back to verse 7. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. There's a lot of religions that do that. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. You know, meant to that, right? Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And let us yield, Let and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen to that, right? Rescue us from the evil. He's always right behind. He's always right there. You know, that voice, is, he's just right there every day. This ain't going nowhere. We have to learn how to deal with him. That voice against God, the flesh. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, does that mean if you don't forgive that you're not going to heaven? No. The thing of it is, he will not give you the forgiveness that you need when your sins come. You'll always feel the weight of them. You'll never get clear of them because you're not forgiving others who sin against you. Can I get an amen for this? They'll always be heavy in your heart. And when you fast, don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. Oh, I starved myself today for Jesus. <laughs> Recognize that. Right? Know what it says. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So God sees everything always, amen? Always. Teaching about money and possessions. Don't store up treasures here on earth where morts eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where morts and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Big amen there, right? That's awesome. And that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant, harvest, or harvest, store foods and bonds, for your Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries, I love this one, add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And don't they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Here it is. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, which we are doing tonight, right? We're here in church seeking him. And live righteously. Two things. Seek him and live right, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Tell me about it, right? Instead of worrying about tomorrow, today's troubles are enough for today. Big amen there, right? Now I got one for us. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Go with me to James chapter (laughs) 2. Is everybody with me so far? All right, wake up. It's getting primed here. James chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 12. So, whatever you say, James chapter 2, verse 12, whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Faith without good deeds is dead. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. You cannot see faith. The only way somebody's going to see your faith and what you believe is by your actions. Can I get any men for this tonight? Don't be deceived. Now look what it says, now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Some manuscripts read that God is one, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Good for you, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, And God counted him as righteous because of his faith, right? Genesis 15, verse 6. He was even called the friend of God, Isaiah 41, 8. So you see, we are shown to be right with God. Listen to now. We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Can I get an amen for this? This is scripture. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath or without spirit, so also faith faith is dead without good works. Can I get an amen for this? When you say you believe, you become what you believe. And if you believe it, you will become it. There's no way you can believe something and not become it. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and loves you unconditionally, you will become like him. If you don't believe it, you will not become like him. Your flesh will stay alive and you will not change. There's no way that you will not transform if you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins because the Holy Spirit comes inside you and changes you from the inside out. Can I get an amen for this? You can just say, I believe it, but you become what you believe. If you believe it, you become it. If you don't believe it, you won't become it. So how do I know if I believe something? By becoming something. When you believe something, you become something. If you don't believe something, you won't become something. So don't deceive yourselves. If you really believe it, you will become it, and your flesh will die and your spirit will grow. Can I get an amen for this? And if you don't believe it, it won't happen. You can say you believe it all you want, but if you really don't believe it, nothing will ever change. The Holy Spirit won't come and nothing will change because the Holy Spirit won't be in you. Can I get an amen for this? So let's get this right. All right, let's go to the study now. We're going to continue. Does anybody remember where we left off?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: all right. <clears throat> all right. So we were talking about, we're going to go into verse 8, and the religious leaders, okay, sent some investigators from their headquarters in Jerusalem to check up on Jesus. The delegation didn't like what they found, however, because Jesus scolded them for keeping the law and the traditions in order to look holy instead of to honor God, okay, okay? The prophet Isaiah accused the religious leaders of his day of doing the same thing, Isaiah 29, 13. Jesus used Isaiah's words to accuse these men. Their worship is a farce. They teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Can I give an amen for this? Isaiah 29, verse 13. All right, let's keep going. Verse 8. He's hammering the Pharisees here. For you will ignore God's law and substitute it for your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. Now, let me explain this. The Pharisees, okay, had added hundreds of their own rules and regulations to God's holy laws. And then they tried to force people to follow these rules. Okay? These men claim to know God's will in every detail of life. Still, there are still religious leaders today who add rules and regulations to God's word, causing much confusion among believers. It is idolatry to claim that your interpretation of God's word causing much confusion among believers, okay? It's like God read claim that your interpretation of God's Word is as important as God's Word itself, okay? People think the way somebody's explaining God's Word is more important than the Word of God itself, amen? You have to understand this. It's especially dangerous to set up unbiblical standards, okay, for others to follow. Instead, look to Christ for guidance about your own behavior, Okay? And let him lead others in the details of their lives. Leave it in God's hands. Amen? Don't try to mold people into your image. Bring them to Jesus and let him do it through his word. Amen? That's how we do it. Jesus wasn't against all traditions, by the way. Okay? Let me just explain that. But he was against those who made their traditions as important, if not more important, than God's word. Like, there's nothing wrong with following a tradition of coming to church and doing things and penance or whatever it might be, but that's not more important than God's Word. Can I get an amen for this? Okay? Good traditions shine a spotlight on God's Word, move us to obedient service, and help our hearts sing. Okay? They explain and reinforce the teachings of God. God's Word should always be the focus and tradition a means of bringing that Word alive. Celebrate your traditions with the prayer that Christ would be exalted. Change your traditions if they become more important than God's word. Amen? All right. Let's go to verse 10. Is everybody with me so far? Yeah? All right. You can go up to someone and say, Well, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. That's my tradition. Well, okay. Well, what what do you do there? Well, I just sit there and listen. Does that change you? No. There's people that come every Sunday, leave, and go about their own life. There's no transformation there. That's just a tradition that they do. Church on Sunday doesn't mean anything. It's just church on Sunday. It doesn't really, it's nothing deep involved. That's their tradition. What do you do on Sunday? Well, I go to church. Well, what do you do in church? Well, I just listen to the pastor, make a sermon, and then I go about my day. Oh, Okay. What else? Nothing else. So come to church. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank i got better things to do than just sit there. If it's not going to do anything for you. Amen? It can become a ritual just like anything else. Look at verse 10. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And he's taken that from Exodus 20, verse 12. In Deuteronomy five sixteen, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. There's some harsh laws there, right? Just imagine the way the kids are today—how disrespectfully out to of their parents. There'd be no kids left. You'd have to stone them all, <laughs> right? Thank God for the Thank God for the New Covenant, right? Because people want to follow. People like to bring the Old Testament into the New Testament, but they don't want to follow the whole thing. Like the Sabbath and tithing and all these things. If you're going to bring it back, bring it all back. The moment your kids misbehave, stone them kill them. Oh, I can't do that. Well, then get rid of that old covenant because it's useless. Follow it all or none. Amen? Thank God for the new covenant. Those who don't believe in Jesus still believe in them old covenants. I think the latter would be a better choice, don't you? For your kids' sake, anyway. <laughs> all right. Must be put to death, Exodus twelve seventeen, Okay, or Leviticus 29. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, <clears throat> sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you or Greek, what I would have given to you as Corbin as a gift. Okay, the Pharisees used God as an excuse to avoid helping their families. This is what they did, okay? They thought it was more important to put money in the temple treasury than to help their needy parents. Although God's law specifically says to honor fathers and mothers, Exodus 20, 12, and to care for those in need, Leviticus 25, 35 to 43, for if to give money to God, we, we should give money in time to God, but we must never use God as an excuse to neglect our responsibilities. Amen? Don't say, I'm not paying my bills this month because I'm going to give it to God. That wouldn't be a wise choice. No, it says, pay your bills, take care of your family, and also give to God. Amen? You give what's in your heart, not out of compulsion. Amen? That's what we do here. Helping those in need is one of the most important ways to show God, right? You help people. That's how you show your faith. You can't see faith unless it's, done, it's shown in an action. How do you have faith? Well, I do things that God would want me to do. I obey them. Okay, verse 12. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. okay? it's not what you put in yourself that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. okay? anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay, then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either? He asked. Can't you see that the food you put in your body can't defile you? In other words, you eat something that doesn't make you bitter. You eat food, it doesn't make you lustful. Or maybe something, I mean, I don't know. If the food doesn't taste good or something, it might make you bitter, because I just spent too much money in the restaurant, right? For lousy food. But that's really not what's in your heart. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You go spend a lot of money on a good meal, and you end up getting like, what's that? I'm to go to McDonald's after to get something to eat. I'm still hungry. <laughs> All right. All right, then Jesus went away. Don't you understand either? Verse 18, he asked, can't you see the food you put into your body can't defile you? The food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. See it right there. He was already breaking through that tradition. Okay? Verse 20, and then he added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, okay, comes what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Say, OK, if you're operating all that and say, I'm spiritual, and all that comes out of you, can you actually say that you're spiritual when you're acting this way? Slandering people, acting prideful, having envy, having lustful desires, and say, I'm a Christian. It's, what, it's what's coming out of you says that you're not. That's you. That's what's in you. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Now Jesus is saying, that's why you need a savior. Because you can't get rid of that by what you eat. Just imagine if you ate a good meal and said, that got rid of my adultery. That got rid of my greed, the food I ate. That got rid of my wickedness. That got rid of all my deceit, my lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. By that meal I ate. Jesus is trying to say, you can't fix what's inside you by what's outside. The only thing that can fix that is Jesus can only take that out of us. Can I get an amen for this. And by the way, those things never go away. They're in our cell structure. So you can be a Christian, you're going to be a Christian for the rest of your life, having to war with these things that are going to try to come back. And all Jesus does is give you a choice now. He gives you a choice to say, I'm giving you the power to say no to them and yes to me. But if you still like these things, you're going to choose to do this over obeying me. Okay, get an amen for this. It's a choice. He never takes away our free will. You can still be full of greed, adultery, wickedness, deceit, lustful, Josiah's envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. You close that Bible, stop coming to church, stop fellowshipping with people, see how fast that all comes back. It never goes away. So we have to what? Fight it. But what do we do? By growing spiritually, all those things, when they start calling, we could say, nope, (laughs) I'm not going to do that for who? For Jesus, for my church, and for the people around me, I'm not going to commit that sin. Because it's not about me anymore, it's about him. So when you're still thinking of yourself, you'll still do these things. When you're still thinking of Jesus and others, you won't do them. Can I get an amen for this? Because we're all selfish at our core. So that's how you know if you're growing spiritually or not. And that's how you really know if you have the Holy Spirit. Because when you have the Holy Spirit and you start doing these things, it definitely does not feel right. And you cannot keep doing them. Because God will put that conviction inside of you to make you stop. Because you have, a new, you have a new manager inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. The flesh managed itself by doing this thing. The Holy Spirit manages itself by what? Reading his word and fellowshiping with other believers. And amen for this. We don't just come to church and go back and do these things. Because Because I, I say, well, yeah, that's why I'm saved, so I can keep doing that. Jesus saved us to stop doing that. We didn't need a Savior to keep doing it. We needed a Savior to stop doing it. Can I get an amen for the church? has got this so twisted, saying, well, God loves me and I'm going to heaven and God's grace, I can keep doing that. No, God's grace is the power to not do it. If you are doing it, you are not using God's grace because God's grace is powerful, more powerful than them sins. It's not to to continue in them, it's the power to stop doing them. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. The grace to what? Say no. God's grace keeps us on the right track. Amen? It doesn't keep us in sin. The grace keeps us out of sin. And the church has got it wrong because they keep telling you it's okay to keep sinning because God's grace covers it. That is not what God's grace is for. God's grace is to stop sinning, not to keep sinning. And people love to abuse that message. Jesus loves me. I believe it, God's grace is good, so I'm going to keep living in my sin and have no conviction. If you can do that, you are definitely not saved. I don't care what anybody tells you, because salvation is deliverance. You are delivered from something. How do you know if you're delivered from something? By the way you live, to tell you if you're delivered from something. How do you know if you believe something? By showing it by an action. If I say, okay, I'll give you an example. I believe that I'm getting better at painting cars. I believe that. Okay, well, how do I know that that's true? When I go paint the car, it looks better than it did before. So, cause I believe what I did and it happened. So it showed by my paint job that I believe, that I said what I believe was true. Now, if I say I believe something and go back and, and the car starts full of, full of runs and looks terrible, I guess I was believing a lie. Because I really didn't believe that I was doing better because the result of the job looks like crap. So really I said I believed something, but I really didn't. And it showed up in the paint job. I gave an amen for this. If you really believe something, it will show up in your actions. And if you don't believe it, it won't. If you can keep continuing and doing something sinful, it really shows that you don't believe what Jesus did to do for you. If you still love your sin better than the Son, that means the Holy Spirit is not inside of you. Just the bottom line. If you still love the sin, Paul said in Romans 7, I do what I hate. He didn't say I continue to do what I love. He hated what he did, but his cell structure kept him, he said there's something inside me that keeps me doing wrong, but I don't want to. It's not like I want to live in sin. He didn't want to do it. So he fell into it once in a while, but he didn't stay there. Everybody falls into it. Falling into sin and living in sin is two different things. God doesn't chasten us for falling into it. He chastens us for living in it. And if you live in it and nothing happens, that means that the Spirit is not in you. Because if the Spirit is in you, it will convict you and chasten you. You can't stay in it. But if you can keep staying in it, that means there's no spirit in you. It's dead. So you really don't have the Holy Spirit. So you really don't believe and you're really not a believer. Can I get an amen for this? People love that message. Just believe it. Yeah, well, if you don't come what you believe, then you never believe it. That's just the way it is. You have to change. There's no way you can't. Can I get an amen for this? Does it happen overnight? No. But it happens. There's just no way that it can't happen. Paul said he was going in the other direction. right? Jesus came, knocked him off his high horse, and he what? Totally flipped around into another direction to serve God. His name changed. He was so different. Now, if somebody knows you from before Christ to now, he said, that's not the same guy I used to know. I shouldn't even call him. That's not even John anymore. That's somebody else. That's somebody new. That's how different it's supposed to be. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. The Bible does not lie. Abraham, right, they call, Abram was Abra, Ab, Abraham was Abram. After he started following God, he made him Abraham. Jacob was a scoundrel. After God touched him, he made him what? Israel, a totally different person from his sin nature to his new nature. Can I get an amen for this? This to be a transformation. Something changes. It's called transformation. Not just a bunch of information. You can come to church every day and get information and never change. There's a big difference there. If you believe it, you become what you believe. Thank you. All right, let's keep going. Did I explain that enough? Thank you. All right, thank you. Because I know what I used to be like And I know what I am today, and it's nothing that I did. It's what he did. I'm possessed by Jesus now. I can't stop doing this, even when I want to. The thing I can do is stop doing the things I used to do. Now I can stop doing that and do things for him instead. You see, it's called removal and replacement. Most Christians say, I'm not going to do that anymore, but don't replace it with the things of God. So what happens? They all come back again. Because nobody does anything with it. You have to transform, not do bad, and do good. If you don't do good, the Bible says it, when an evil spirit leaves somebody, it goes out in the desert, finds no rest. Then it comes back and sees that new believer, all fresh and clean, washed in the blood of Jesus, okay? And looks to come back in. If it's not replaced with God and his word, what comes back? Seven more. And it's even worse than it was before. So you see how it is? Christians come in, get saved, go back out in the world. What happens? Seven more demons get in them. And they're worse off than before. They were better off not coming. Amen? Unless you replace it with what? The things of God. Which I think people don't understand that principle too much. But I think you do. That's why you're here. You can amen for this. You're replacing the things of the flesh with the things of God. Okay. Verse 24. As a matter of fact, before we go there, an evil action begins with a single thought. Okay? An evil action begins with a single thought. Allowing our minds to dwell on lust, envy, hatred, or revenge will lead to sin. Don't defy yourself by focusing on evil. Instead, follow Paul's advice in Philippians 4.8 and think about what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. What are you saying? Don't think about the things you used to think of. Stop thinking that. But you have to start thinking of the other things, the things above, so that doesn't come back. This is a removal and replacement that Christians have to understand. Because you know it as well as I do. If you don't replace it with something... Those thoughts keep pounding in our heads. We romance them. And then they give birth to a what? Action. Then you say, why did they do that? Because you didn't follow what the Bible told you to do. Not think of that and think of other things. Replace it. Change the channel. Now you're an amen here. Amen. Trying to help you here so you can grow. In verse 24. The faith of a Gentile woman. Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. (laughs) Right away, a woman who heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an unclean or evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter, since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia. So this was a Gentile woman. Jesus didn't come for the Gentiles, remember? He came for the Jews. <clears throat> now look what he said. Jesus told her, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. Right? Isn't it right, he said, <laughs> that the children eat for us. Isn't it right to take, is it right, isn't it right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs? Because the Gentiles were considered dogs to the Jews. They called them dogs. That's how dirty they thought they were. Right? And this is what he said. Right? Then she replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. That's an awesome thing. Right? The dog. Right? If you drop, you know it as well as I do. You leave the dog around while you're eating. Whatever's on the floor, even what's in the dish, you'll grab if you walk away from it. Right? But he's, he'll, he's allowed to eat the stuff off the floor, right? You don't tell him not to eat it. He licks it up and eats it. What a good answer she gave him, huh? <laughs> but let me just say something. On the surface, Jesus' words might have seemed harsh and unsympathetic, but the woman recognized them as a wide-open door to God's throne. Jesus did not use the negative term for dogs that referred to scavengers. The word sometimes used by Jews to refer to Gentiles, like I just said. Instead, he used the term for a household pet. The woman took the cue and added his analogy of pets under a family dining table. Her attitude was expectant and hopeful, not prickly or hypersensitive. Right? She knew what she wanted, and she believed Jesus could provide. We could learn from this woman's singular purpose and optimistic re- resilience. Jesus really does want to meet our needs when we pray We're talking to a friend. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. Amen for that, right? This miracle shows that Jesus' power over demons is so great that it doesn't even need to be present physically in order to free someone. His power transcends any distance. So Jesus, which is alive today, can remove any demon from anyone now. And he doesn't have to be sitting next to you. He removes it through his word and your belief. That's how he removes it. You don't have to go to some deliverance man that's going to deliver you. There's already one deliverer, and it's Jesus, amen? That's who we go to. Not the human beings for deliverance. He's the only one that can do it, and he's the only one to go to. The rest of them are a bunch of hucksters. Don't go to them because they want your money. And they will take your money too. Just look at the TV, the people on TV. They give everything to them, those hucksters. For what? Snake oil and prayer lords. And then they end up finding all the letters and prayers in prison, the dumpster. They never did anything for them. Instead of going to the true healer, Jesus Himself, that doesn't cost us anything. Why? It's called ignorance. It's ignorance of God's word. And that's what they do out there. They keep you ignorant of his word. They say, you're going to come to me and let me teach you. No, there's one teacher and it's inside you already. It's called the Holy Spirit. You open that book and you want to seek God and learn about him. He will teach you. You don't need to go anywhere. This is just a supplement to help enhance you. Amen. The ultimate teacher is the Holy Spirit, not me. I'm just re- I'm just re- reading the words. I, I'm the vessel. The powers is in the words coming out of the mouth. Amen? Not from me. I take no credit for any of it. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? I can't heal anybody. I can't even heal myself. That's why I need him. But the church asks us to pray over people, which is a good thing, because it's a physical sign of the Holy Spirit working in the church. Amen? But that's not what heals you. It's the faith that heals you. By believing what the Bible tells you to do, by praying over someone because you love them, you're actually inviting Jesus' power into their life. That's all. It's a tangible thing that you can see. And that's what makes people, they see it. It gives them that relief because they see something tangible. You know, when somebody prays over you. It's kind of the placebo effect, you know what I'm saying? People test you with different drugs. What they do is they give you the real one, and then they put a sugar one. And, and the ones that take the sugar pill still get results from it because they think that it's going to work. You get it? So when you, that's why the Bible says if you believe, you will be healed. Can I get an amen for this? If you believe it, it will happen. You can move a mountain, the Bible says. Do you believe it? When you go expectantly into prayer, you have to believe what you're praying for will be answered if it's in His will. But if you don't believe in it, if it's just an empty word, it'll never happen. You have to believe what you're praying for. There's the power. The power is in the belief. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. The ultimate doctor. Right? And, verse 30, And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed and the demon was gone. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, people don't think that there's still people, kids, possessed by demons. There are. There are. Just look at the way the children behave sometimes. You say, where the heck is that coming from? Something is controlling them that they can't control. You see? We're all born with a sin nature that's, what? Rejects God. We reject God from birth. It's just in us. And like I said before, you let that kid run around, he's not going to stop praying and worshiping Jesus. No, he's going to do everything that he's not supposed to do. And nobody teaches him not to do it. Nobody teaches him not to go near the plug, they don't go near the wire. They go near this. They touch everything they're not supposed to touch. Why? Because there's something inside them making them do wrong. They don't even know what they're doing, but they're doing wrong because there's something inside controlling them until they accept, oh, Jesus. So why, what's so important with the parents? To teach them, bring them to church, and let Jesus get in them at an early age. That's what it says in the Bible, right? So what? So it doesn't get so bad. Look at the way the world is right now with kids. The kids are controlling the parents. The government does not belong in the house. Amen. Okay? The door's shut. The kid needs to get spanked because pain is the motivator, and fear is what keeps them on track. Amen? Not time out. Get in the corner.. Yeah. How good does that work? then huh? it worked for me the Bible tells us to do it to beat it out of them because it's in us so deep now get an amen for this listen I believe what the Bible says and that's what works okay the, the world system never worked and it never will okay everything I'm saying is from the Bible so whatever I make, no, I make no apologies for what I'm saying up here because it's biblical. He meant it out, right? I'm not going to like conform. I'm not going to conform to what the world says we should do. I'm going to conform and tell you what the Word says to do because that's what my job is, to get you out of the world and into the Word. Okay, look at verse 31. Jesus heals a deaf man. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Ten towns, or Decapolis. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then, spitting on his own fingers... He touched the man's tongue. Hmm. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephapapta, whatever that means. I don't know if I said that right. Which means, be opened." Instantly, the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he can speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. But the more we told them not to, the more they spread the news. (laughs) Oh, is that the truth? Shh, don't tell anybody. Shh, keep it a secret. The next thing you know, 50 people know. (laughs) It's the human heart, right? It just can't can't keep its mouth shut. It just can't. (laughs) The more we told them not to, the more they spread the news. The more you tell a kid not to do it, the more he does it, right? Yeah. The way it is. Uh, that's the sin nature. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who can't speak. Okay, when Jesus said be opened, he used language that this deaf man would understand. The healing message was personal and unique, okay? <coughs> Whoever thought spit might be the conduit of a miracle. If there's only one means of witness in your church, sermons for instance, many people likely will not hear. Churches need lots of different methods to meet diverse needs. OK? Let musicians play, singers sing, actors act, act writers write. Let each creative Christian tell the story. Jesus, who spit in mud. Surely we can find windows to the minds and hearts of people as well. One body, many parts. What do I say all the time? It's because it's so diverse, we can all help each other with the gifts we have. Amen? All right, we finished that chapter. That's awesome, right? That was a good chapter. All right, we're going to stop. It's 8 o'clock. We're going to close in prayer. David, come on up and close us. I'm going to stop. We'll pick up with chapter 8 when we get back together.
0: we can borrow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for allowing us to all come together as your humble servants to hear another portion of your word, Lord. Lord, every time we hear another portion of your word, it's always rich, pleasurable, and always teaches us something new. Lord, as we go away every single time, every time we read your word, every time we study your word, help us to grow a little bit more in faith. Help us to understand a little bit more about you so we can grow closer to you so we can understand your will for us and follow it completely.
1: Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us. I thank you for everything you continue to do for us now until we go home and be with you. And I say all these things in the name of your son. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, David. All right. We're going to stand and watch your video.